Well, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You guys are a rowdy, rowdy, rowdy group today. So thanks for the fellowship. It's good to see all of you find your seats eventually as your conversations wrap up. But it is my great pleasure to introduce someone today who gets to speak to New Life Manitou. You see, New Life Church is a whole bunch of congregations, eight to be specific, meeting in six different places, speaking three different languages. Did you know that? That we are a part of New Life Manitou is a part of this uh, larger congregation. And one of the things that we get to do is have a centralized departments. And one of those centralized departments is our outreach. So both local outreach and global outreach are centralized. So all the congregations get to lean on the support of this, this outreach department, which facilitates local ministry. So you probably got an email. Oh, was it this week or last week, Joanna, about the service project, October 2nd. So there's there's opportunities to serve locally in Manitou, Colorado Springs. And then it also, this whole department oversees missionaries. So we have missionaries in Cambodia, in Thailand. We have the Mayats, who, who's Alan's right here. He goes down to Brazil and comes back and he serves there. So we as New Life Manitou support these missionaries. And through that department is this uh, person who oversees oversees the department, who is Melton, who will be speaking today. So Melton and I got to go to Alaska. So remember, Erica and I came back from Alaska. We had all these stories that one uh, a couple of weeks ago. Well, Melton was on that trip and I've seen Melton's heart for the poor, for people who need to hear Jesus, for missions, for the global outreach of and the spread of Jesus and his kingdom. So you're, you're going to love Melton. He's from South Africa. He's got a great accent. He's got great stories. Would you you give a new life Manitou welcome to Melton. Melton. Thank you, Joe. Yes, good morning, everybody. Sounds like the men had a great trip. All five of you, that's wonderful. Yes, uh, as Joe said, um, we're from South Africa. And I always enjoy when somebody hear the accent and they say, where are you from? I say, um, Southern California. <laughs> and you can see for about four seconds, they're like, mm, you're lying. Uh, but they, they don't want to tell it to your face. Uh, so we have fun with that. Uh, we moved here uh, three years ago, 2018, with my wife, Erica, with a K. Erica with a C. Uh, Erica with a K. My son, Alexander, with an X, maybe. <laughs> And then uh, I also have a daughter, Daniela. She's uh, working at New Life North. She's part of the kids' ministry. Uh, went to college this year, so uh, she's there. But we're loving it. Uh, we've been here now, as I said, about three and a half years. Uh, we moved here from South Africa. And yes, it was a long drive, uh, but we made it. And uh, we're having fun. And we moved here for New Life. And uh, outreach is just part of what we do. And uh, to, to be able to do it within the New Life context, is really a blessing. Um, there is a, a paradigm of just let's reach out and how do we do it? And I think that's why a church this size have this specific department to say, how can we focus on this? How can we frame this? And honestly, our department is to serve you. Uh, we do not want to necessarily come up with stuff. I do believe there's things that we don't need to reinvent in every single congregation like our prison ministry, like our elderly ministry, there's places just to plug in. We've done it. Uh, there's a menu. If that's part of your passion, do it. 
But there's things from Manitou that's unique in Manitou and we want to be able to serve that um, and to serve that well. So it's been our honor and our privilege uh, to be able to do that. And yes, although we, we're, we're a big church with many people, so I've walked into Erica and, and Joe like at an old staff meeting and we get to know each other and you get to know names. But uh, our Alaska trip was really the first time we've spent good time together. Uh, Joe was also the first person that I jumped with in the Alaskan Ocean. Um, I will not show them the picture, uh, Joe. <laughs> it was a very short swim, probably the shortest one we've had. But we were fully submerged, so it counted as swimming in the Alaskan Ocean. Um, I think three minutes flat, and we're out. <laughs> but we have a picture to show for it, to say that we actually swam. And Erica was just behind us. She was like, Minnesota, this is warm. I, I... <laughs> it's summer. What are you guys talking about? I can be here for 30 minutes. And Joe and I jumped out. Um, our series or, or our topic is the revolutionary gospel. Uh, over the last couple of weeks. So I just quickly Googled and said, what, is, what does revolution mean? And it popped up this definition. It says, to be involved or causing a complete or dramatic change. Man, and I like that. To be involved or causing a complete and dramatic change. Just think of 2,000 years ago when Jesus came down with the cross and the crucifixion. We have seen a dramatic and complete change in history. In your own minds, what if Jesus didn't come down? What if there wasn't a cross? What if there wasn't a savior? What would 2,000 years after that time period look like? I think pretty messier than what we see at the moment. But because Jesus came down, there was a revolution and things changed forever in a massive way. And we get to be part of that. We get to be part of that revolution that started with 12 people and is continuing 2,000 years later. So as I share this morning, I hope that something of this will also revolutionize your life. May it bring a deep change and a better conviction and a better understanding of your part to play in this revolution gospel. The fact is there are many more lives to be changed. There are many more systems to be changed. There are many more kingdoms to be conquered for God's kingdom. And God is wanting to use you and I for that. For some reason, and we can ask him one day, he chose to work through people. He chose not to just come and do it. Not to just establish through, through wars or, or through authority and take over kingdom. He decided to come work through people through love. Now, I don't know about you, but... If I wanted to start a revolution, if I wanted to take over the world, I would have had a much better strategy than Jesus. I would have set up centers of war, trained people. I would have a head office. I would have sub-field offices and places. But yet Jesus came down and said, let us use the greatest power ever, the power of love. Let me pick 12 people and I'm going to train them. I'm going to equip them. I'm going to show you what love means to really give up your life. And that's the power we're going to use to establish my kingdom. Totally different, but it's still valid today. And if we can really love well, we can see this revolution coming. So I want to tell you a little story. There were three boys 
Uh, and I don't know if you know boys when they're younger, they always brag about the dads. You know, my dad is this, and have you heard some of those things? My dad's this, and my dad's this. So three little boys come together, and the first boy says, my dad is super fast. I've never seen a person so fast. It's like, well, tell us about it. He said, no, when we go archery, he will, he will aim at the, the um, bullseye, he would release the arrow, and before the arrow hits the bullseye, he runs towards the target and catches the arrow. Like, wow, your dad is pretty quick. Second boy said, that's nothing. My dad, when we go hunting, he would lay down, he would aim at the deer, he would shoot, and as soon as he shoots, he would run and he will tackle the deer before the bullet hits the deer. <laughs> like, wow, <laughs> your, your dad is super fast. So this last guy is like, man, my dad works till five, but he's home by three. <laughs> it must have been a pre-COVID joke. There wasn't no work, at, work from home. But... Something about the story we see in Galatians 2 where, where you try and tell a story for approval. Where people can say, oh wow, I like you because that's even better. Or I like you because I want to be approved. And we see something, and that's kind of the theme of today, I want to read it to you. In the story in Galatians 2, so let me just give you some of the backdrop. The two main character, characters are Peter and Paul. So Paul has almost kind of been chosen or assigned to the Gentiles. That was kind of his life story, where he really went out to convert Gentiles into Christians. So, and we know a lot about Paul. So in Galatians 2, Paul actually says in the beginning of Galatians 2 that he was led by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem to go and speak to the Jewish church. He said, because for the last 14 years, he has been preaching this message of salvation to the Gentiles, and he wanted to make sure that they're good with it. Otherwise, one of the scriptures says, all my life work or 14 years of work would have, would have gone down under. So he goes to the church in Jerusalem and says, hey, this is what I've been doing. And they actually give him the thumbs up. One of the big issues according to scripture was the whole circumcision. How does that work? Because there was very strong rituals. And they said, not to worry. We see that what you preach and what you do is good we approve of that. And the leadership of the church in Jerusalem actually says, go for it and keep on working. Peter was his friend. Peter was called to the Jewish people. So he ministered to them and preached the gospel and salvation message to the Jewish people. They were good friends. But then at some point, some of the Jewish community come into Antioch. Let's call it head office. Comes into Antioch. And suddenly... Peter does not want to be seen with Paul. Peter doesn't want to be seen with the Gentile Christians because some of the things they do or do not do, he was actually afraid of being critiqued by this Jewish community. So, and then it's, it's interesting, Paul actually gets super mad. He says, there's this issue, now suddenly you don't want to hang out with us because head office is here? because there's other friends that you worried about what they would say about it. We cannot stand for this. And then publicly, he takes out Peter. And you can read this in verse 11 and 12. It says, but when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him. So th this is Paul speaking. 
When Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. <laughs> I like that. Other. To your face. Um, I had to oppose him to his face. No email, no texting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak to you straight up. For what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterwards, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't even eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of the criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of the circumcision. Then he goes on, he has this whole thing against Peter, and then we end up in verse 19, which is our portion of Scripture for today. And it says, For when I tried to keep the law, I realized I could never earn God's approval. And this is from the New Living Translation. For when I tried to keep the law, I realized I could never earn God's approval. So I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ. I myself no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So I live my life in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Out of this portion and the sentence I want to pull out and kind of for us to linger on today is, I realized I could never earn God's approval. So my topic for today is earning God's approval, question mark. Can we even do it and what does that look like? Number one, I think for us as Christians, it's very important to know that we live for an audience of one. And that's not a new saying, but we live for an audience of one. And that one person is Jesus Christ. Um, there's nothing wrong with seeking approval. How many of you enjoy when somebody just taps you on the shoulder and says, well done? I do, we all do. There's something in us that, that wants to know that what we're doing and what we're keeping ourselves busy with is good. So there's nothing wrong, I want you to know that there's nothing wrong by saying, I wonder if I do, does it, does it, does it have the approval of whoever it might be? Especially in our cultures where so many men seek dad's approval. You want to be able to hear your dad say, well done my boy, well done. So there's nothing wrong with that kind of feeling. The problem is, if we live to seek approval by man, that's where the problem coming. Because here's the issue, People will only approve you as long as you're on their agenda. If you're against their agenda, it drops. I always laugh at approval, approval ratings. Just, just think about the concept, approval ratings. Especially when the presidents, you know, we have only seen one election because we've only lived here for three years and apparently it was messy. I thought it was okay compared to Africa. You guys have it sweet. Um, but okay. But looking at approval ratings, what, what does it actually mean? It just means more people like what you're saying because you're saying what they would like you to hear, what they want to hear. That's an approval rating. So we cannot live for the approval of man. Here's the other fact. If you live for the approval of man, guess what? It changes about every week. Because what I like today is not what I'm going to like tomorrow. So if you do A and people say, oh, that's great. If you do the same thing within two weeks, they might say, no, 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 now we want a different. And we become messy in our mission 
We become messy in what we're supposed to do and in our assignment if we live for the approval of man. Do we want approval? Yes. Do we need approval? Yes. But we have one mission and that's God's mission. And we can only and we should only live for his approval. And the best way we can go for his mission is by loving well. God's very clear when he says, go and make disciples. How do we make disciples? What is our strategy? It's by loving well. That we need to love people in spite if they love us back. Even if people do not approve of you, we can continue with love because love transcends everything. There's no stronger power than love. You can literally love people into the kingdom. And if you don't know how to love, it's very easy. You can go to 1 Corinthians 13. There's a checklist. It says, love is kind, check. Love is patient, check. Love doesn't keep score of what is done against you, check. It's an easy checklist to, to evaluate yourself and to say, do I really love well? Because at the end of the day, the only approval I want is from the audience of one. And my personal desire is when I get into heaven to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Not with the things he did not make my responsibility. Because here's the other fact. God did not call you to change the whole world. But he called you to change the people he has placed in your vicinity, in your community, in your city. If I think of the walls of Nehemiah, they built the walls of the city in a record time, but how did they do it? By focusing on their peace. Just by focusing on their peace. So Joshua had all the guys line up and said, build the peace in front of you. Because as you build the peace in front of you, as, before you know it, you will look down the road and you'll see the wall has been built in a record time. So I want to encourage you this morning to say, live for the audience of one. Do your piece, do your part, only your responsibility, the people that God has given you. And, and this does not necessarily mean only in the church. In fact, 99% of us will not, work, will not work full-time in a church. You'll not be a pastor and you're not supposed to be. That shouldn't be like the ultimate thing. It should be, Lord, where have you placed me in this job, in this work, in my business, in working for government, wherever it might be. Live there for the audience of one. Because you'll, then you'll truly see the differences being made. Matthew 13 verse 7 is such a good scripture. And it shows to prove that even Jesus himself, there was a point in his life where he heard approval from the audience of one. When he came up from the water, he was baptized. There was a voice from heaven that said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's approval from the audience of one. So if Jesus had to hear the words, this is my beloved son, this is my beloved daughter, in whom I am well pleased, how much more us would need to hear that? But if we seek it from man, if we seek it from any other source except from Jesus Christ, you will be disappointed. You will be running around from approval to approval. Uh, Joyce Meyer wrote a book called Approval Addiction. And so many times we can run from place to place where we seek approval. But the one place you want to seek your approval from is from God himself. Because we live from the audience of one. Brings me to my second point. That the audience of one has already approved of you. He already loved you. Not because of what you're going to do, but because of who you are. 
And there's such a great scripture in um, Jeremiah 1 verse 5. It says, before I formed you in the womb, and this is from the Amplified, it says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew and approved of you as my chosen instrument. And before you were born, I separated and set you apart, consecrating you and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I have noticed in myself and my own life that many times a compliment, the, the, the weight or the appreciation of that compliment is determined by who it comes from. If it's somebody in the street just like, hey, nice, like, great, you know, but by this afternoon it's nothing. When your dad said something, when your mom said something, when, when it's somebody in authority or in relationship, many times when those people tell you something well done, it, it almost carries more weight. You, you carry it through. Uh, I remember teachers uh, in our school. Um, teachers can make or break you. Isn't that true? Just by the words. And uh, I know growing up, like the teacher was the ultimate authority. Man, if teachers said the sun is gray, the sun is gray. If teachers said the grass is yellow, grass is yellow. Because teachers said it. She's got the authority. And uh, how many times, I can still remember I was in high school. I was standing next to my math teacher's desk. And uh, we were discussing some issue. I can't remember what it was. But I remember these words. She said, Melton, you will do well one day. I can even see the board I can see the table, I can see the chair, I can see the teacher. Just because she spoke into my life and she was a person of authority. If you're a painter and you paint something nice and a world famous painter comes and says, well, that is a great painting. That carries so much more weight than me coming and saying, nice painting, I can also paint stick people or you know, whatever it might be. <laughs> So the higher the authority, the greater the skill level, if that person comes and tells you what you've done well, it carries more weight. And here in the scripture, we have Jesus, God himself that tells Jeremiah this. Now, now think about this. This is the creator of the universe. It's not an excellent painter. It's not just somebody in authority. It's the creator of the universe that speaks this into Jeremiah's life. And I want you to take it for yourself today. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now, what you need to remember when you read this, God is outside of time. So he looks into your timeline. He's not part of your timeline. He looks into your timeline. So if he says, I knew you, guess what? He's looking from birth to death. He looks at the things you're still gonna do, the mess you're gonna make maybe in the next three or four or five years, the good stuff that you're gonna do, but he also looked all the way back. He's not blinded by our current season. He sees everything and then yet he still comes and says, I knew you and I approve of you. Now honestly, that for me, just make me feel good about myself. If God himself comes down and say, I've seen everything you've done, buddy. I have seen everything that you're gonna do. But I wanna let you know, you're my son. You're beloved and I approve of you. You are my chosen instrument. And before you were born, I separated you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an incredible portion. You think that God says, I cared so much for you. Before you were born, you were, you were, you were, um, Oh, 
There goes my English word. Thank you. Knit. I don't knit a lot. Maybe that's why. Um, before you were born, you were knitted in your mother's womb. It's a timeless process where all the strings and the things are put together and something well comes out. He says, I have knitted you together. I have set you apart for a special purpose. I'm telling you this not by accident that you're in Manitou at this moment on this Sunday at this day. That your life have ended you up in this place. I'm telling you, it's strategic from the Lord. It wasn't by chance. What is the chances that you walk a certain day alongside a certain banner that says 10 o'clock, come on in. You just, you just answered the call, well done. It's, it, it's not by accident that you find yourself in this community. God has placed you here, your skill set, your giftings. He said, I have separated you, I have called you apart. Because why? And then I've consecrated you. And then specifically for Jeremiah, he says, I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. That was his specific calling. Maybe God's calling upon your life is, I have called you as an accountant to the accounting firm. I have called you as whatever into the government building. I have called you as the business person here in Manitou Springs. Whatever you're calling is, God is saying to you this morning that I knew you, irrespective of what you did or gonna do, I approved of you, I chose you, I've kept you separate for my work and my assignment in whatever that might be for you. So the audience of one, I want you to walk out of this building this morning with boldness to say, yes, we only live for an audience of one, but that audience of one has already loved me, already loves me, already approves of me. And then the last point, and here's the, the funny piece about this, is that the audience of one creates a crowd. Now, I don't know about you, but... I have read a few Bible scriptures and then I think, Jesus, you were very rude. <laughs> I'll give you one example. There's a mother who comes to Jesus and says, my daughter is demon possessed, but she's a Samaritan. He said, can you please pray for her? What, what, what does Jesus say? No, <laughs> I'm not called for you. I'm, I'm not yet, and he used to his dogs. I'm not yet called for the dogs. And then she keeps on going and says, but can the, cannot even the dogs maybe eat some of the crumbs? Can you just give that to me? And then Jesus said, your faith is amazing, so your daughter will be healed. I'm like, Jesus, wow. Isn't that a little bit rude? But he was clearly fixed on the audience of one. He knew his mission he knew exactly what he was supposed to do and he did exactly that. And here's the other side of the coin that although he was so assigned and fixed on the audience of one, there was a crowd of 5,000 that he fed. There was another crowd that he fed. At some places there were so many people that he couldn't properly function because they were just gathering. They had to keep the children away from him. And Jesus for me is this example of if we, if we go and say, Lord, I only want to live for you. I want to only live for, the, for, for this audience of one. I know you've already approved of me and you loved me. Jesus come and say, we need to win the world. We need to win crowds, but I will send you the crowds. You don't need to work for the crowds. 
I will send you the people. If you focus on your purpose, your passion, your giftings, your place, your vicinity, your community, your city, your job, your business, whatever that might be, if you focus and you live in that space for me and for my assignment and what I have in store for you, I will send you the people. I will send you the people that you minister to. These guys were singing songs at a campfire. Was there a big invitation on a microphone? Hey, if you hear the song, please come on down. Join us. Jesus loves you. No. They were focusing on the one. They were visiting with the one. They were around a campfire for the one and yet guys were drawn onto them. It's so scriptural. So do you really want to change your community? Do you want to see a revolution in your church, your community and your city? Live for him and for him alone. And here's the starting point. It's not very difficult. Here's the starting point. Your family. You cannot tell me you want to win the world if your own family is lost. Gentlemen, your wife and your children is by far your first ministry responsibility. You would have gained very little if many get to know Christ, but your own family is broken. When your wife and your kids doesn't want to have anything to do with Christ or with you, you have missed the mark. I dare you and I want to challenge you not to be so outwardly focused, but to be focused for the crowd of one. And you start with those God has given you. You start with those that's in your home. You start with those that's going to spend the most amount of hours with you. And that is your, your family. Just think of this. If each one only take care of our own family, we would have won the world. If every parent start taking care of their own family, we would have won the world. So I want to really ask you to start there with your family. I want to go back and reread um, verse 19 and verse 20, but I, I want to read it as a prayer over your life. So if you don't mind, maybe you could just close your eyes. If we can have the worship team come back. I want to read this as a prayer over your life. So I want you to kind of work through this in your own mind, that we need to live for audience of one, that the audience of one has already approved and already loved you. And that in that, he would create and give you the crowd that you need to minister to. Father God, I thank you that this morning, in our own efforts, sometimes we try and keep the law. Sometimes we try and do stuff to get your approval. But thank you that we can agree with Paul this morning, that we realize that we can never earn your approval because you love us already. Lord, so thank you that this morning we can say we want to die to the law and the things we want to do. Lord, we want to live for you and for you alone. Father God, we are crucified with you. Lord, we do not live for ourselves anymore. But Christ, you live in us. So Lord, we pray that our lives in this earthly bodies will keep on trusting you because you, son of, you are the son, of the, the son of God. Lord, thank you that you love us and thank you that you gave yourself for us. As I was preparing, I felt in my heart there's this people this morning that you have been labeled by words. There were people that spoke out against you. Maybe you're stupid, you're dumb, you're not going to make it. But you carry the weight of words. 
that when you seek approval from a person in authority, maybe a family member, maybe a dad, maybe a mom, you actually scold it and, and you carry this burden. It's a weight in your life. You've been labeled and you struggle to work through this. I believe this morning, God is wanting to take those labels off. He doesn't want you to carry the weight of the words that's been spoken against your life. Because words have life. Jesus spoke and creation was birthed. And sometimes when people speak against you, they, they speak negatively and those things can grow and overwhelm you. But I believe this morning, what the God wants to do is to say, no, 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 that has been lies. You've been carrying the weight of lies with you all over your life because of what people have spoken over you. I have approved of you. I have loved you. And that is the truth. So I'm not going to ask you to get up or anything, but I want to know who I'm praying for. So if that's you and you say, Melton, words have been spoken against me. Terrible words. And I carry the weight of this words and, and I feel it's, it's, it's keeping me from doing my assignment. It's keeping me from taking up my responsibility within the kingdom because I carry this negativity about who I am because of what other people said. I want to pray for you that God will speak His truth into your life and that those lies will be removed. So is that you just raise your hand or just look at me. Thank you very much. 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 Anybody else? Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Just maybe keep this space for a moment. Ask God to show you where you are carrying something that, that just wasn't the truth. Which wasn't God speaking over you. It was man speaking lies. Out of their own issues maybe. Out of their own hurt. We don't hold it against them. But you cannot continue living with this lie. Because there's a truth that God is wanting to speak over your life for your future. Father, I thank you for every person that at this moment that maybe said, I, I, I'm carrying the weight of words. I have not heard I love you. I have not heard I approve of you. I have not heard that, that, you, that you approve of me for who I am, that I don't need to change because you've made me like this. So Lord, I wanna pray for people in this room this morning that is carrying the weight of lies and that's what it is lord i pray that you would remove the labels of lies for them that they will not walk with the weight of they not good enough they will not walk with the weight of you're not good enough but you come this morning and you say i approve of you lord so thank you that you approve of these people lord thank you that you love them very much and thank you that this morning they can walk out of this building with boldness knowing that the Father has declared I knew you and I approved of you in Jesus name